Hear the gospel of our Lord according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. It can be found on page 1022. Um, it's John chapter 15, reading from verse 1. The vine and the branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I'm going to begin by reading that passage again in the Amplified Bible, and all the verses that I quote this morning will be from the Amplified Bible. <clears throat> I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off, takes away. And he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he is thrown out as a broken off branch and withers. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you live in me, Abide vitally united in me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. 
When you bear, produce much fruit. My Father is honoured and glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. Let's pray. O Father, open your words to our hearts and our hearts to your word and give us grace to receive it, to understand it and to obey it for your glory. Amen. One mother in Sunday, one of my sons sent me a bouquet of cut orchids. They were the most vibrant deep blue and turquoise in colour. And their vibrancy seemed to fill the room with such joy and pleasure. And they lasted a whole month. But of course, during that month, I noticed that the colours became less vibrant and slowly the petals began to fall off and all that was left was a dried up stalk. Of course it was inevitable because they had been cut off from their vital source of food and life. And I believe that this is what today's reading is all about. Vibrancy and vitality in the life of every Christian and our church. In the previous chapter, Jesus had been telling his disciples that he was going to leave them, ending with the words, let us go away from here. However, this doesn't happen until chapter 18 of John, where they make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And some scholars believe that our reading today was part of a conversation and teaching, along with the next three chapters, that Jesus had with his disciples as they journeyed to Gethsemane and to his death. If this is the case, then today's reading is part of some urgent and vital teaching by Jesus. And if it was vital for those early disciples, then it is also vital for us. So we need to take note of what Jesus said. Chapter 15 begins with the last of Jesus' I am sayings. So why end these sayings by likening himself to a vine? Well, I think there are two reasons. Vines grew in abundance in Palestine, and so his disciples would understand what he was talking about. In the other I am sayings, Jesus used Hebrew images of bread, light, and a shepherd. But I think this image of the vine was the most important of all, because the vine was used to describe Israel, the people of God. And so important was it to the Jews that there was an image of a golden vine on the front of the holy place in the temple. In Psalm 80, verse 8, we read, You, that is God, transplanted a vine from Egypt. And of course, that stands for where they were slaves. And then it goes on to describe how God cared for that vine. 
And Isaiah chapter 5 elaborates on this. But then sadly, in Jeremiah chapter 2, we read that God said, I planted you like a choice vine of sound, reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? So Jesus' statement that he is the true or genuine vine would have significance for the disciples. He was telling them that he fulfills the purposes of God, whereas Israel failed to do so. And just as Jesus fulfills the purposes of God, God's people today are to do the same thing. So what are the purposes of God? In verse 16 of today's reading, we see the answer in those humbling and I think mind-blowing words of Jesus. He said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I have appointed you, I have planted you, that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing that your fruit may be lasting. This is speaking of fruitfulness of life and character, which are the results of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, as described in Galatians chapter 5. And these words were not just for those first disciples, but for us here today in Seasalter. Without a vine dresser or gardener, The vine could not survive. So Jesus then goes on to describe what what that work entails. First, he carefully prepares the soil, then plants the vines. But because they grow so luxuriantly, they need drastic pruning. The Greek word used for pruning means to clean out. So the farmer cleans out small shoots budding with growth, so that the nourishment might go to other shoots also. Other branches he takes away, or in some translation, he lifts up higher out of the dust they've fallen into, giving them a better chance to be productive. However, the branches that are not bearing fruit and taking precious nutrients from fruit-bearing branches are broken off, and are only fit for firewood. So pruning on the part of the gardener is a constructive activity for improvement. Of course, Jesus is referring to God as the gardener and his followers as the branches. So behind the images in today's verses, we have Jesus, God the Father, and Jesus' followers. Jesus then goes on to talk about the vine, in other words, about himself. The vine has only one purpose, and that is to produce fruit. It doesn't bear that fruit, that is the role of the branches. But in order for this to happen, the vine has to supply life to the branches. And when the vine is fruitful, it brings honour to the gardener. Everything Jesus did was for God's glory and honour. 
And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, this should also be our aim. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So what is the purpose of this parable? The reason for Jesus' vital and urgent teaching to his disciples. Simply, it's about the role of the branches. According to verse 2, the branches, that is Jesus' followers, are there to produce fruit. However, the only way we can do this is if we are attached to the vine, to Jesus. There must be a vital union between us and Jesus, and this needs to be continuous. Verse 2 contains those all-important words, in me, referring to Jesus. If we are in Jesus, this includes being in his death and resurrection, as we see in Romans chapter 6. Our old self has been crucified with him, and we have been raised with him to walk in newness of life. And according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, we are also in him today, where he is seated in the heavenly places. What a difference this would make to our Christian lives if we would only take this truth on board and live by it. So, to the all-important question, what does it mean to be in Jesus? How does one get to be in Jesus? And this, of course, was explained to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We have to be born again of God's Holy Spirit, born into God's family, bearing our new family characteristics and values. Many people are into religion or in the church, but this is not the same as being in Jesus. This is the difference between being religious and being a Christian and a disciple of Jesus. One is following a set of rules and rituals. The other is having a day-to-day -day relationship with someone, God. Some translations of verse 4 begin with the words, dwell in me, or make your home in me. This implies living with someone day by day, where you are loved and accepted for who you are. And this is the difference between trying to set, to live by a set of rules. This is having a relationship with Jesus, with God. However, more importantly, Jesus wasn't just making a statement, but giving a command to his followers, to us. Live in me. Be at home in me. But saying and doing it are two very different things. So how in our ordinary, everyday lives do we do this? Well, I think first and foremost, by setting aside a time each day in our busy lives to be alone with God. This requires a conscious effort on our part. 
as it did for Jesus when he withdrew from the crowd and from his disciples and went to a lonely place to be on his own with God. And this is how he retained and maintained his oneness with his Father. Secondly, we need to read and meditate on God's word. Verse 3 tells us that this is how we are made clean because it is in God's word that we learn about our Heavenly Father and through the teachings of Jesus how to live fruitful lives which are pleasing to him. God's word is like a pruning knife, cutting away everything that is not of Jesus, such as pride, selfishness, unforgiveness, etc., etc. This can be painful and humbling, but it is always for our good, because the divine gardener is a God of love. Also, just as we need food to sustain us physically, so we need spiritual food to sustain us and help us to grow spiritually. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, Man cannot live on bread alone, but needs every word that God speaks. And in verse 7 of today's reading, Jesus goes on to say that if his words take root in us, in our lives, our prayers will be more effective because they will be in line with God's will. The results of this will bring glory to God and show the genuineness of our discipleship. Next, in verses 4 and 5, they tell us that we need to learn to be dependent on Jesus. We need to learn that we can do nothing for him or for God's kingdom without or apart from him. Remaining in Jesus involves obedience, as we see in verse 14. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus and his teachings or in God. We need to act on them. And this is not out of a sense of duty, but in response to God's love for us, as shown in Jesus' death on the cross. So, to remain in Jesus means to continue being dependent and obedient all our lives. And this we cannot do without his help. This is what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 1. I am sure that God, who began this good work in you, will carry it on until it is finished on the day of Christ Jesus. Such a lot to take in. But what is clear is that God's expectation has always been to see fruit, first from Israel and now from us, his church. Jesus, in saying that he is the true and genuine vine, is saying that he alone is the only source of life and power for the Christian. And this excludes all other sources, even the church itself. And this is a statement that only God himself can make. It is also clear that even fruitful branches 
need constant pruning because the things of the world can begin to sap the life from us. Some branches need to be lifted up out of the dirt they've fallen into so as to give them a better chance to be productive. We shouldn't be afraid of the Lord's challenge when he does this or of his chastisement because in Revelation chapter 3 we read, Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I tell them their faults and convict and convince and reprove and chasten. That is, I discipline and instruct them. And this is all because God wants the best and healthiest and most vibrant fruit in our lives. So if we want to remain a vibrant Christian, and this has got nothing whatsoever to do with what age we are, we have to remain connected to Jesus. And from time to time, God may have to do a little bit of pruning in order for us to retain our vibrancy. This is also true of our church, especially at this time, when, as the rural dean told us, we must not get distracted by the fact we haven't got a vicar, but keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen.